have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis 2 and 7. Genesis 2 and 7. If you've got it, tell your neighbor you're too slow. <laughs> I beat you to it. Now, if y'all were looking up there, y'all cheated. Y'all should bring y'all's Bibles. I got my phone. It ain't the same. <laughs> Genesis 2 and 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Somebody say living being. If you can turn to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. If you got it, tell your neighbor you're still slow. I don't offend nobody, okay? It's just a Bible verse now. Amen. Chapter 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of God, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells that he has and buys the field. Someone says, buy the field. In verse 45, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. For when he had found the one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Somebody say, beautiful pearls. Amen. If, the, if God could help me right now, I would like for all of us to pray because I want this service to really touch young people right now. So if we can pray right now, God, we ask that you can touch this service right now, God. We ask that you touch my heart and touch my mind, God, that I flow through you and I am dependent only on you, Jesus. I ask that you touch this service, God. Anoint me, God, so I can speak your word and speak your truth, God, and we can receive it and live it every day. The church say amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to talk about this topic from dust to pearls. From dust to pearls. In Genesis 2, 7, Lord God had formed man out of dust of the ground and he breathed into him the breath of life and God and that man became a living soul. When God created man, he made him out of the most basic element, the dust of the ground. There was nothing amazing or incredible in what man is made out of, only in the way that those basic things are organized together. When the Bible speaks of dust, it means something of little worth associated with lowliness. And when the divine breath of God, and he breathed into man, and he became a living being like other forms of animal life, yet only man is a living being made out of the lightliness of image of God. It's fascinating, really, that God would take the lowest element and create life, not just animal life, but a living, living soul, a living being. God decided that he would want to leave more from his more for his creation by giving his breath, his spirit. It's a blessing that God decided to reach down. God decided to reach down and bring me life. It's a blessing that God decided not only am I going to create a living being, but I'm going to make him in my image. Evolution did not create me. 
God created me. Evolution couldn't have came up with this complex mechanism called the human body. It doesn't add up. I must have been created by the one true God. There could be nothing else. It is only God to create me, to create me with emotions and a calling, a purpose, and a desire. My God created me with intentions, intentions to serve and to worship him. But isn't that the battle in today's time, to serve our maker or lie from the enemy to reject him? It is our purpose to serve God. Young people, it is our purpose to serve God. It is who we are and is what God created us to be. It is our identity to serve and to worship God. Adam and Eve were created with purpose. Adam was to take care of, his cre- of God's creation and name all the animals, and Eve was created to be Adam's helper. But they both had one purpose. Despite of all they had to do, they had one purpose, was to have a relationship with God. It was all they were created for. Until we all know the serpent came and temptation settled in, and they knew the very thing that they shouldn't have done, but they decided to do what the serpent said because, Eve, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. But because of it, because of what they did, they lost the very thing that kept them from God. It pushed them away from God. They lost their identity. And ever since the time of Adam and Eve and the serpent, we fell into an identity crisis. Noah must have questioned his identity, knowing he was the only one to hear from God and build an ark and know that a flood was coming. And the people doubted him and questioned him. You would think that when you hear that from the enemy, that you're the only one doing it, that you're the only one that believes it. You would question your identity. Moses probably questioned if what God was calling him to do, deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, the impossible task, the impossible task, he would think that his doubts and insecurities would question his identity. And there's been an identity crisis all throughout history and even today. Church, even today, there's a question of identity. Our society, America, has changed our identity. You have schools, schools teaching nasty subjects to a third grader, and they shouldn't be learning that stuff in a third grade. It's an identity crisis. They're teaching subjects. They're teaching subjects. That if you feel that in heart you're a male, but you're a female, then you have to be a male. It's an identity crisis. That's not the truth. It's either male or it's female. It's about to get real, church. You ready? You got a society now that battles on being left or right in the political war. If you're not a left, you're persecuted. If you're not a right, 
you're persecuted. And no wonder why our young people are so confused on what to choose about. Because no matter what you choose, you're still going to be persecuted. You're still going to get talked about. You're still not going to be liked. And our world is suffering an identity crisis. No matter what happens, a stone will still be cast at you. Because if you're not the right identity by the world standards, you're not accepted. The reason why the enemy wants to ruin your identity, Satan himself wants to ruin your identity. Listen, because he lost his. It's the very thing that the enemy wants to do to young people. And it ain't just young people. It's older people. It's the older and older and older. Satan wants to ruin the identity of who you are because he's jealous that he lost his. Lucifer was the most exalted of all angels, second only to God himself. Vested with every grace and anointed as the guardian of gods. No other angel was more beautiful or wise or important. Lucifer was free to act as he wished. Lucifer was gifted and talented. And with all that, he became selfish with those blessings and allowed pride to corrupt his heart. He rebelled against God. And as a result, Lucifer failed and was dethroned from his position and banished from heaven forever. Ever. So now he becomes the God of this world and he chooses to affect your identity because he's so mad and jealous, young people, that he lost his identity. So he would do everything he can to try and kill and destroy everything God intends for you for his kingdom. And if Satan destroys your identity, then he wins another soul. Church, if, if Satan destroyed a young person's identity, then we're losing the next generation of Pentecost. And who's going to come work the church? Who's going to come up here and sing when all the singers are sick? We're losing Young people, because of the identity that this world is trying to confuse them with. So God, he has a plan. But he chooses to fight for us every day and every night. The Bible says in Psalms 40 and 5, Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done, and your thought towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak them, they are more than can be numbered. All his wonderful works are a product of his thought towards us. He does all of it according to the counsel of his own will and that the purpose of his grace, which is to purpose in himself. There are works of infinite design of everlasting love and wisdom, thoughts of good and not for evil. His thoughts are calling. His gifts and calling are his thoughts for us. And because of that, the enemy would do anything he can to distract you from those thoughts he has for you. God's telling you to step out. Devil's telling you to stay in. It's his thought 
for you to come to him. And the enemy will do everything he can to pull you away from him. So I'm telling you, young people, don't listen to that voice that's in your head that tells you that I should go to the front and get prayed for when the enemy's telling you don't go. And God's telling you if you don't go, you're not going to get the healing or the miracle or the calling or the purpose that you're going to have in your life. I'm telling you to step out. Don't let the enemy tell you to stay in. enemy is trying to ruin the identity if you don't believe me i'll tell you right now on netflix there's a series called 13 reasons why i haven't seen it i don't know anything about it but i've read about it the first season alone is about a kid committing suicide and all his friends have to figure out what happened, how it happened, and the effects of what happened. Suicide. And the kids in every generation are watching this show about suicide, and each season is about suicide and suicide. I'm not saying the show or the or whatever it is, the series that is causing suicide, but ever since it came out, suicide in young people went up like that. Suicide, ladies and gentlemen, is not the way to go. Because what did God give you? He gave you breath in your body. You have no right over your soul. You have no right for what happens. You are just a temple, and you do not decide where your soul goes. God decides. He is the, he is the judge over your soul, so he decides where you go. But the, when the enemy comes in and the world says you're not worthy and the world says you have no value and the world, the world is trying to ruin your identity, the main option that young people go to is suicide. Why? Because if the devil can push them to that moment when they're young, they can't do anything for the future. They can't do anything for the kingdom. Suicide is the option. But that's the devil's option. The devil tells you to commit suicide. And when you do it, and when it's done, you lose your soul forever. And you never even got your chance to talk to the creator. It's sad. Believe it or not, I did not know my identity. My identity. I did not know my identity was going to be minister slash youth pastor. I did not think this plan was for me. I never thought that it was for me. I never thought God would take me this far. Because I honestly, church, I did not have myself together. Many of us didn't have that ourselves together when God called us anyway. But I, I felt like I, I didn't have myself together. I felt like I wasn't worthy or, or qualified, per se. Or I, I didn't feel like I was able to step up in ministry knowing God has already called me. I did not feel like I had that extra step to do it. But thankfully, 
when I didn't have myself together. God called me out of darkness into marvelous light. And now I'm grateful for everything God has done for me. But there was a time where I was trying to figure things out. Trying to figure out the thought that God was having for me. It was one day during a revival service. It was Brother Near. He was preaching. And y'all know when Brother Near preaching, God must be speaking. You know, that man is an anointed man of God. But he, 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 he was speaking in service. And, and that one night I came to the altar and, you know, I'm trying to figure out that thought for me. I'm trying to figure out. I know God has called me to do great things in, in the kingdom. But I, I didn't know really how that was all going to work. Because, you know, I had school, I had things I was going for, I had a job. I, I had so many things in my life that I had that I filled my time up. And I didn't know what God was going to do for me until I got into the altar. Amen. And I was praying, I was seeking God, and I was saying, God, what's my next move? And then he told me. He said, Diego, your education and your career has to go. He spoke those words to me. And I stood there like, are you going to finish the rest of that sentence? Are you just, you, you know, can't just tell somebody to quit everything and you're just going to leave it at that. Okay, that's not, that's not cool with me, you know. I talk to God how it is, you know. I don't know how y'all do it, but I, I, was, I was like, okay, like you're just going to leave me there. All right. So immediately, that was my first thought. My first thought was like, well, God, how is, how is my future going to be? How, you know, my one thing is like, I want to provide for my family. I want to, I wanna, you know, do anything. I don't want to just blow money, but I want to have money to provide for a family, have a great life here. And so that night, I, I, I was there and went through that moment. And then the next morning, I went out with a group of people. And if you're wondering who those people are, it was Matthew and Jose. <laughs> they invited me to an event, and it's called Tough Mudder, something like that. It's like some weird obstacle course, and it's like it's just terrible. Like y'all, I shouldn't have went. It, I, I wasn't fit to do the job. I don't know why. Why was I there? There was even a, a spot where, you know, you have to carry your, your partner across this muddy ground. And poor Jose, he had to carry me because I, I was like, bro, I'm out of breath. I can't, I can't do this. I, I can't pick you up, man. This, this is terrible. I'm not, I'm not built for this. So we, we went there, and I had it running through my mind, what God told me. It was running, it was running, and we're getting halfway through whatever race it was. And we're, we're getting halfway through. And... I felt in my heart, I need to shine some light on the situation. Because what God told me wasn't good enough. I, I, I got to go, go talk to somebody else. So we're, we're, we're running and we're doing the obstacle and I run to where Jose's at. And I'm like, hey, Jose, man, I, I got to tell you something. Now, it didn't sound like that because we were running. It was more like, <sighs> Jose, oh, <laughs> oh Lord, man. Jesus, I, Jose, I got to tell you something. And so I'm talking to Jose, and I'm like, Jose, man, God told me to, to give up my education, my career, something I'm chasing. Like, what do you think about that? And immediately he started talking to me, and he was speaking light to the situation. He was like, man, you know, God's the provider. He's going to take care of all things. He, he, he knows what he's doing. I think you should trust that. 
bro. Jose wasn't good enough, so I gotta, I gotta go find. <laughs> he ain't even here to hear the joke. Where is he at? And so, after, no, I'm just kidding. Jose's a great guy. After I'm done, after I'm done talking to Jose, I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta find Matthew. I gotta find Matthew. So, I went all the way back to last place, so that's where he was. He didn't see that coming. I was just kidding. He was like just 10 steps behind us. He wasn't that far at all. Matthew's actually pretty fast. And so I go over, to, I slow down, I go back to Matthew, and I'm like, Matthew, man, this, this is crazy. I felt something from God, and I felt like he told me to get rid of my, my education, my career, man. I, I, don't know what I'm, I don't know what to do. And so he spoke the exact same words as Jose. Trust God. He's the provider of all things. You should just trust in him. See where God wants to lead you. And so after hearing all of that, it took a couple months to really finally say that I'm giving up my education and my career to follow God. It took a couple months. It didn't happen right away. But then I thought more about that situation. What if I went to somebody who didn't follow God? Where would I be if I got the society's opinion versus godly men of the kingdom that know what it's like to follow God? I probably wouldn't be up here today if it wasn't for a man like Matthew and Jose to say, man, you should just keep on going. Just keep on seeing what God wants to do with you, and he'll give you an answer. You should just trust him. He's the provider of all things. Just trust in him. They were keeping my identity because I didn't know what was coming. I'm preaching, y'all. I'm preaching. So young people, if God is calling you, don't listen to the enemy. No, you can't. No, you're not good. No, you're not valued. It's a lie to ruin your identity. You have to find people in the church that know what to tell you whenever someone say, whenever you say, God is calling me. Because you are good enough for him. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus speaks of a parable that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which when he had found it, he was at joy and sold everything. Jesus came and saw the field. He saw the world full of hidden treasure, full of saints of God, full of sinners. And he looked and he saw the field and he said, I'm selling it all to purchase the field. It was worth purchasing with his life. But in verse 45, Jesus gets a little bit more specific. And he says that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who when he had found the one pearl. Everyone say the one pearl of great price. He went and sold everything that he had. Now, if you're like me, I question. Something I questioned whenever I read this was, why not gold? Why pearls? 
I know gold was in the Bible, silver was in the Bible, but why not one gold of great price? Why not one silver of great price? See, in, in today's society, pearls really don't have much value. I'm getting somewhere. At one pearl of the smallest size can be a light, can be three hundred dollars at least. But one ounce of gold right now is around $2,000. I would love to have one ounce of gold. I don't even know where you find that. But Jesus said, one pearl of great price. So I questioned, why, why a pearl? What, what, what's so significant about a pearl? And I did a little bit into history. And I learned that in Jewish culture, a pearl holds no value. A pearl that Jesus speaks holds no significant value in the Jewish culture. Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people. And he tells them that the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful, beautiful I can imagine hearing that, thinking, but pearls don't have any value. While the world tells us that we have no value, God sees everything in us. So much that he's willing to die for the pearl. It's not just me, but it's everyone that he sees that they're beautiful pearls. They might not have value to the world, but they have value to God. I might not mean anything right now, but to God, I mean everything. I mean everything to God. Even if the world, even if Satan tries to tell me you're not nothing, you can't sing, you can't preach, you can't do anything in the kingdom. But my God says, oh, but I'm a beautiful pearl. I'm a beautiful pearl. He says he can purchase me because he's with everything. He purchased me. He sacrificed everything. The stripes on his back, the nails on the cross, the crown on his head. I know why he did it for me. Because one day when I was in sin, when I was in bondage and I couldn't get out, I had no one to tell me that I'm wanted, that I'm needed. Until John, until God said, you're the pearl that I've been looking for. You're the beautiful pearl. I purchased this whole field just to find you. Don't let the enemy tell you you don't have value because it's not true. You're called to do things. Aiden, you're called to sing. You're the beautiful pearl that God's been looking for. There's pearls in our youth group right now. They don't notice it yet. They haven't been discovered. But Jesus is on his way to look for the most beautiful pearl. And when he founds you, there's a calling, there's a purpose, there's a will to be done. We're nothing, but God saw everything. You can stand.
Angel, if I could just get you on the piano, that's, that's fine. That's all I need. Something, something real happened to me and Becca the, about maybe a couple weeks ago. I can't remember the day, but something real happened. And it was Sunday night. And I'm, I'm in bed. I'm laying down. And, you know, I'm tired. I'm like, you know, I got to get ready for work on Monday. It's 6 o'clock. We, 6 a.m. I got to get ready for work. And so I'm in bed. I lay down. And I, I, I pass out, y'all. It don't take much for me to pass out. I just need a pillow and a blanket. That's it. I pass out like that. And so I, I, I passed out in the bed. And Becca, she was doing some, some school work. And she came in whenever she was ready. And I don't, I don't remember all that, but. I went to sleep, I went to sleep, and immediately, I don't know when, but I started to have this dream. And it was a dream that me and Becca were in the bed and we were asleep. I'm, I'm actually asleep how I usually sleep. I sleep on my side, and Becca, she usually sleeps on her back sometimes. And it, it was like I was seeing us from like bird's eye view. I'm seeing us from up top. And then all of a sudden, it was like an evil spirit came into our room. Like that. I don't even know how to describe it. It was it was just evil. Evil. And it started to, you know how when you're mad you start start pacing. It was, it was pacing in our room from one side to the other side. And it was mad. It was angry. So, so angry that it had finally stopped at the foot of the bed and it looked straight at me while I was asleep. And all of a sudden it started bringing up my past everything I did. I let that all go and the past started coming back up. Everything I did, every sin, every desire, everything I did, it was so specific, detail by detail, as if it was there with me. It said everything I did. And then, after it was done with me, it looked at my wife. And men, I don't know how y'all feel about this, but something come attacking my wife, it's like protecting mode. You just want to hurt something. Like, you better not touch my wife. And so, this enemy started talking to my wife, and it brought up her past and everything about her. Everything that's washed underneath the blood, it's, it's all in the blood. And he kept bringing it up. And at the very end, after it was done talking, it set the plan to destroy us. It said, I'm going to go after your wife. And after she's done, I'm coming for you. And after I'm done with you, everything you're trying to build, it's going to collapse. 
It paced around a couple more times and it was mad and it showed that it was mad. And after it was done, it laughed. It laughed at me in February. And it wasn't like a villainous laugh. It was more like a laugh, like a smirky laugh. Like, <laughs> and it left. I finally woke up and I was, man, I was, I was so frightened because I've never been through something like that. I was so frightened of what happened. I, Wake Becca up, and I said, "Look, like baby, we 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 gotta we gotta call on heaven right now. We we gotta pray. We gotta call on God. We 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 need God to cast angels down right now. There's spirit in our room, and it needs to leave. So we we called on God. We called on heaven, and, and about, we prayed. I don't know, maybe about ten minutes. We we spoke in the Holy Ghost. We were declaring things. We were submitting to God." Submit to God, resist the devil, amen. And he will flee. And so we, we kept doing that, and we kept doing it and doing it. And finally, I felt a presence come down from heaven, knowing it was okay. And immediately after that happened, I text pastor, he was up. There's a reason why he was up. He started praying. And I felt, felt great after. But then I started thinking, Am I not good enough for this? Am, 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 are, are we, are, as, as, as me and Becca are married, are we not good enough for this? Ruining identity. We're called already. But the enemy, enemy had to come to our bed while we're asleep. Not even, not even awake. It was in our sleep. The most vulnerable place you're in. Where you have no control and your mind goes everywhere. The enemy came to plot thoughts of evil. To say I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be accepted. I'm not, I'm not going to be where I am. I, that it's all going to collapse. I, I said, God, am I not good enough? And then immediately, I thought about the pearl. And I might not be accepted by society. I might go to my job and they might, they might laugh at me. They might tell me things. They, they might see the picture that I'm youth pastor now. They, they might say everything about me. But I'm still the beautiful pearl that Jesus purchased that said that when the world said I'm nothing, I'm everything for the kingdom. So here's what I want to do. Y'all ready, church? I always give instructions for young people. Because sometimes, you know, we don't know what to do sometimes. But I want to give some instructions right here. If you felt like I've been talking to you today and you felt that thought that said, this is for me. I struggle with insecurities and doubts about myself. If I'm speaking to you, whatever young person it is, God is trying to get you to realize 
that what every thought you have, every enemy, everything that came against you, even stuff that came against your sleep, that kept you up at night, that you were afraid. I'm telling you right now that with perfect love, it cast out fear. That what Jesus did on the cross was not for a show. It was for the love that he had for the pearls. So from dust to pearls, we are called. We do have a purpose. We are more than what the world says I am. I am a child of God. And there's nothing that can stand in my way. So young people, church, if you feel it in the house today, why don't you lift up your hands? You don't have to step out. You can just lift up your hands right there. God will meet you where you are. And I want you to start speaking to God right now and say, God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me for ever doubting you. Forgive me, God, for not thinking that you hold me in the palm of your hand. And God, right now, I want to feel the security of knowing that I am that pearl. I'm the pearl that you that you came down for. I'm the pearl that you gave everything for. I'm the pearl that, that you sold everything. You gave everything. You left heaven to come and meet me where I am. To show me that you love me. To show me I'm the pearl of great price. No one can buy me, but Jesus already did. Come on, I, I, I want God to move in this place. If there's somebody you need to go to that you feel like they're having problems, I want you to go over there. I want you to step, step out. If, if it's appropriate, go over there and lay a hand on them and just pray for them right now. If there's an adult in this room that feels like you need to go step out and pray for a young person, I want you to go ahead and do that right now in the name of Jesus. Sometimes you need a little help to step out. But right now, in the name of Jesus, we're not going to listen to that lie anymore. Even if the enemy comes in our sleep, we're not going to listen to the enemy. of the kingdom. I'm called. 